didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Hey, it's Mark here. I have a very, very interesting show for you today. In the news, John Fluvog, very cool dude, founder of Fluvog Shoes. And I'd say Fluvog Shoes is probably one of the most original shoe companies in North America, if not the world. John Fluvog is saying he's going to spend a little more time out of the office, go into semi-retirement. Now, the man is the design uh, inspiration behind Fluvog Shoes. He's a quirky character and an eccentric designer. So that brought to mind what happens to a brand when the brand founder decides to step back. This is a topic that I explored on the air with Mark Brenne in this month's uh, interview with CFAX Radio. So let's go to the interview and see what happens. Stoiber is our guest. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, and the author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. Mark, you have a closet full of these shoes. I love these shoes. It's Fluvog, too. Fluvog? What yeah. I call it? Fluvong. Fluvog? Fluvong. But I, I can, I can I imagine this. That's I, not an easy name to pronounce. Did I, did I put an N in there? There should be Fluvog. You know what? I, I a lot of people call them Fluvlogs, too. Okay, I apologize. I but uh, that, I think right? it's part of the magic, that having, a, having a strange name like that. Okay, Fluvog, I apologize. I, I actually typed it with an N in there. I'm not sure why I did that. Okay, um, now you've been watching this closely. Uh, you say if the founder of a company leaves, the company has to be very, very careful how it handles its future business. How well, so? you know, the, let's start. With, I, I always love to come here uh, and bring you sort of like a current event story, and Fluvog is very current events. Just uh, There's, just, there's yeah. just uh, rumors, and he hasn't gone anywhere yet, but he's spending a lot more time away from the office. And, um, and, you know, he's one of those icons. He represents this brand. It's got his name on it. It's got his personality. He started as a designer, not a business guy. So the, the character of the shoes, and the shoes have unbelievable character, probably some of the coolest looking shoes I've ever seen, or quirky, or you might not like them, but they're very, very distinguished. They stand out like crazy. So these shoes reek character and they are shoes. his character. I got shoes that reek. <laughs> they, that's a bad word. I'm, these, sh- these shoes just have tons of character and he personifies the shoes. So what happens when John Fluvog steps back? And that got me thinking, what happens to other companies when the founders step back? Now in Fluvog's case, we don't know. So it's just a rumor at this point. Yeah, but we don't we know what will might go now that happen. I can't pronounce his name, Fluvog. I don't know. What yeah. Okay. So he's, what is he? He's in his 60s. He's in his 60s, and he's spending more and more time out but on 60s the... 60s is young, and he yeah. lives in Salt Spring? Or? Yeah, he lives in Salt Spring. He lives yeah. up, uh, yeah, Gibson's up around there. And, and oh, uh, yeah. I think so. I think so. And, but the point is, you know, he's, he's had a long, great run, and he's got great people running the store. But the question is, what happens to the magic when the chief magician leaves? Uh-huh. You know, and and that's that that got me curious. And I thought, you know, what are all the other examples of companies that successfully or unsuccessfully went past their founder? And you know, that's that started me digging, doing my homework a little bit, and I came up with a couple of very interesting examples. And what's nice about them is a couple of them you know, a couple of them folks don't know. And the obvious one, Colonel Sanders. Right? Colonel Sanders, he's a real live guy. Harland. Harland Sanders. He, uh, 
He was 65 years old. He had his six, he had his 11 herbs and spices, and he was cooking food at a roadside diner for folks. People loved his food. He said, you know what? There's going to be a freeway that goes through here. I'm going to lose all my business, so I should start franchising. By the time he was 75 years old, 10 years later, he had 600 franchises. And he goes and sells the company to a group of investors and almost right away starts a rocky relationship because they... they don't keep the quality up, and he does not like the food they're making, so they get in a fight, but he stays on. It's, it's, you, this is really interesting. There's two things. Let, let's hold it right there. Uh, we should harp on that for a second. He was 65 mm-hmm. when he got the ball rolling for for what, what we now know as KFC, mm-hmm. the rebranded name of yep. Kentucky Fried Chicken. 65. Gives hope to all of us, doesn't it? It certainly does. Good. Not that 65 is old, but I'm just saying 65, and that's when he discovered yeah. you know, his, his raison d'etre. That's when he you know, Yeah, and starting a franchise business is not an easy job. Uh, I suspect you know, it's not. not for anyone. So by 75, he now has 600 franchises. He sells it, and mm-hmm. at one point, he publicly calls the product finger-licking bad. And he said the gravy tasted like wallpaper paste. <laughs> That's the founder talking about his own food. How was that received? It was not received well, but, you know, they, they had a rocky relationship, and then at age 90, he dies. Right. So the investors, they said, no problem. We'll just basically do what the Russians did with Lenin, and we'll just prop him up and, and <laughs> keep, the, keep the magic going. Right. It was a disaster because what he was brilliant at as a, as a human was marketing. And another person we want to talk about, Dave Thomas of Wendy's, he actually worked for the Colonel. And he said what Colonel Sanders was brilliant as was marketer. And so they tried to basically fake the Colonel and people smelled that right away. They remember they had an animated Colonel who was sort of a smarty pants. He was voiced by uh, Randy Quaid. They also had an actor who looked like the Colonel. And people just got creeped out. They could they could tell because they knew he was. They he had knew passed who, away. they knew who was the colonel, and they thought that was just creepy. Right. So you know, my point is, in this case, the colonel was an icon of the advertising. He wasn't an operations guy or a management guy. He was the front man, and to just say, "Oh, he's gone," but another colonel's here doesn't work, right? Now, this is interesting. There's a contrast to that and Dave Thomas. Now, Dave Thomas worked for the Colonel. In fact, Dave Thomas of Wendy's invented that rotating chicken bucket up on a pole. No kidding. Yeah, that was Dave Thomas. The one we just lost just here in Victoria. That's right. That's right. And uh, so in 1973, he follows in the footsteps of Colonel Sanders, and he starts selling franchises of his new restaurant, which is called Wendy's, named after his eight-year-old daughter. And by 1983, he has a 1,000 franchises. He pulls back. Company starts to falter a bit, so he goes back again, like Colonel Sanders, as the front man. Now, he passes away. Uh, I'm not sure what year he passes away, but he did 800 commercials in that time as the front man. I can still see what he looks uh, like. Of course. He, he kind of loved he, him. He kind of looks like... Um, oh. Lee Iacocca. Yes, he, exactly. Yeah. Chrysler Chair. Yeah, exactly. So he, uh, he was a terrific guy, big supporter of things like uh, orphans because he was an orphan himself, adopted. And when he died, Wendy's decided to take the opposite tack of KFC. Instead of making him, propping him up and making him live on, they said, nope, we're going to go completely away from, uh, from Dave Thomas. That didn't work. It was a Dave-free zone. It was a Dave-free zone, and it didn't work. So what they did, they said, 
you know what, his spirit lives on. In fact, they started creating posters about Dave's way. This is the day, the way Dave would have done it. This is what Dave would have wanted. And it worked beautifully because the guy was a gentle spirit and they kept his spirit alive. So, you know, from Colonel Sanders, bad reincarnation, to Dave Thomas, good reincarnation of the founder. Is this why, or is it uh, for other reasons, that Kentucky Fried Chicken ended up being KFC? Yes. Yeah, exactly. They rebranded? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know what's interesting? Uh, Colonel Sanders was a brilliant brand man, and the reason he called it Kentucky Fried Chicken was that he could distinguish it from Southern Fried Chicken, which was the cliché. So he wanted to make it something different. Uh, But, yeah, they branded it KFC because they wanted to pull away from the colonel. But they kept the bucket. They, they kept the red and white. Yeah. They, they kept the, tr- uh, the, the the bucket that spins around. Yeah. They kept the uh, annoying commercials where the bucket is filled to the top where it's actually going over. And you're going, how did they get that home with the lid on? Because <laughs> when I pick up a bucket of chicken, you got to put the lid on and it doesn't overflow like that. Those those marketing guys. Eh? Oh. Those marketing uh, we, guys. We got to do a show on that one time about how much they get away with. Because oh. that to me is false advertising. I could I could talk to you for Why days about that. Why isn't it false advertising? It's not false advertising. Well, the bucket, it's its artfully shot, but I've worked on McDonald's shoots. They used to be my client, and Dairy Queen was my client as well, and I remember spending hours, if not days, shooting hamburgers so that the patty was the real patty. Yeah. Now, we can talk about that but another time. But they use wax what? and stuff. No, they don't. I can talk to you about how they treat the patty and the burger and each individual sesame seed. Well, you we know what you, sh- you, know you should have done while you were helping to shoot those commercials for McDonald's and any other place that sells burgers is you should have taken the hamburger and said, yeah, the lighting's perfect, and then taken the burger, put it in your back pocket, sat down on it, took it out of your back pocket, put it back on the dish and go, let's go, ready to go, let's You're roll dark. You're dark. No, you know what? because You're that's dark. what that's what my burger looks like when I pick it up, and you it's know not what, what it looks like in the commercial. I, I, my burgers have always been beautiful burgers. Oh, I don't know what you're I getting. I think totally they probably see you coming that. because you're a dark individual. I do not believe you for one moment on, so on either you, of those two points. You know what? I, I want to I switch gears, and I know we have to take a break in a second, don't we? we got to take a break right now. We do? Okay, we'll take a break, we'll and then we'll talk the about some other guys. Okay, let's do that. Uh, my guest is Mark Stoiber, brand strategy consultant entrepreneur, the author of the book, Did Not See It Coming. Mark Storber is in. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, the author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. We're talking about what happens when the leader of a company, the founder of a company, somebody synonymous with that company and uh, and all the profits and and all the uh, success that company has had, uh, leaves, either decides to step down or in some cases, sadly, passes away. What happens to that company? Uh, Mark was telling us a story about KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, at the time. They tried to keep the colonel's image alive, even though uh, the uh, uh, Harlan Sanders, the colonel, had passed away. That didn't work. And uh, when the same thing happened with Dave Thomas, when he passed away, the founder of Wendy's, uh, they, they did the right thing. Uh, they did an homage to him. He's no longer here. Uh, but his way is here. So they promised to prepare all the burgers Dave's way. It was basically a way of saying he may have gone, but his ways continue. And that was, in Mark's opinion, brilliant. And I have to yeah. agree that that makes perfect sense because it's a nice continuity there. Yeah. You know that if you, and, and especially with someone like Dave Thomas, because as you mentioned, um, and not to be confused with the actor, the Canadian mm-hmm. comedian Dave Thomas, but 
Uh, he appeared in so many commercials that if you're watching television in the 1970s and 80s, you got to know this guy. Yeah. He seemed like a personable friend. You wanted to buy a burger off him. He was a nice guy. Yeah, he had good spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. Very likable fellow. Okay, so let's go from uh, the Colonel and Dave Thomas uh, to somebody else who, uh, similar thing, he's still alive, thank goodness, and in fact, uh, I spoke to an author recently who wrote a book about him. The author's name is Robin Brunette. The book was called, uh, is called Let's Get Frank, the story of Canadian advertising giant Frank Palmer. That was last Monday. Now, you worked for Frank Palmer. For years, yeah, I worked with Frank. Okay, so Frank is uh, uh, with DDB, which yep. is a huge advertising firm. And Mul what's, big multinational. What's, yep. what's the situation with Frank? Well, and Frank, DDB I mean, uh, Frank, it was interesting because I worked with him when it was called Palmer Jarvis. It, it had his name, his shingle on the front, and Frank's personality was everywhere, and I think it continues to be everywhere until this day. Uh, he was a good natured guy, he was intensely loyal to his people, he would fight for you. And, uh, you know, he always had a sense of humor. He was a big practical joker, just an, an awesome guy to work for. And he really made you feel like family. Now what happened was uh, his company got bought up by DDB, a big multinational part of the WPP network, this even bigger company. And, you know, it's like uh, I always likened it to the, the idea of a vampire getting their, their teeth in you and just the blood draining out of the, the, the body. And I think what happened to Frank was... He kept the spirit of Palmer Jarvis alive, and now he's stepping back. And I'd be curious to see uh, what, if anything, DDB preserves of Frank, because I can tell you the spirit of advertising is a spirit of playfulness and fun and trying new things and being creative. And Frank, if nothing else, was a guy who embodied that. And, you know, you go, hey, let's do things like Frank would do it. Let's do things like, you know, his, his fun things, his practical jokes, his ways of looking at stuff. It's also interesting that DDB, the, uh, the B of DDB is Bill Burnback, who is an advertising legend. And you go to their agencies, and I think they've done it entirely the wrong way. You see an oil painting of this gentleman hanging on the wall. He's the guy who came up with the Avis ads. We're number two. We try harder. He came up with the Volkswagen ads that were like probably the best ad campaign ever seen. And what they did with him, they hung him on a wall in oil painting like some Harvard alumni. And it was completely against his spirit. And I wonder what they're going to do with Frank when he pulls out. I certainly hope he doesn't get an oil painting. Instead, I hope maybe they put some shaving cream in the phones or uh, rattlesnake you know, eggs. Or ra exactly, rattlesnake eggs, or maybe they just have a hot dog Friday every Friday. But is this different because the people who uh, would know uh, someone like uh, Frank Palmer, mm -hmm. um, those would be people in the know of advertising. They yep. wouldn't be they wouldn't be the people buying a Volkswagen That's right. or, or any product. Yep. They would be people in house that know him in the industry that mm -hmm. know him, as opposed to compared with Colonel Sanders or Dave Thomas of Wendy's. Uh, which is basically the clientele knowing him. Yes. There's a difference here. So There's 100% a difference, except that the people that work in an agency, they come and they look for a certain type of spirit. So I think as a hiring tool, Bill Burnback, incredible hiring tool. The guy had been dead 30 years by the time I started, but I went, wow, Bill Burnback, shame about the painting. 
Uh, but with Frank, you know, you go, hey, this is the place where Frank worked, and there's the hot dog machine, and there you're probably going to get a, a little bit of shaving cream in the phone earpiece. Yeah. You know, because they've still got the spirit of Frank. It's a wonderful hiring tool and a retention tool. And, you so you're, you're saying something would be uh, missing, a DDB. Yeah, I think so, too. If they don't do something to honor Palmer with more than just some sort of award or painting. Well, I think uh, they'll probably give him a they'll probably give him a painting. Hopefully, holding a rubber chicken. I hope. You know. Yeah, but the idea is to keep his spirit alive. Not, not just picture. Just a photo of him. Or exactly. Or, okay. Let's let's come closer to British. Well, Palmer's from BC. Yeah, he's a Vancouver let's, guy. Let, let's stay in Vancouver and yeah. uh, let's talk Lululemon. And yeah. A chap named Chip. Chip Wilson. Chip Wilson. Yes. So he 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 made magic with Lululemon. I think he, he he carved out a niche for himself that was incredible because he had a talent for, pardon my French, but making women's figures look incredibly good. Almost anyone could slip into Lululemon pants and look amazing. Wonderful materials, wonderful design, but the cut was amazing. Now, that's a difference between being a front guy like Harlan Sanders. He was an operations and a design guy, a bit like John Fluvog, maybe, you know, then he leaves Lululemon because they have some differences of opinion and he's also outspoken and not always in the best way. So he leaves his own company and he goes to start Kitten Ace. Interesting story because he takes this technical cashmere with him, a product that is the foundation of Kitten Ace, but Lululemon didn't want to have anything to do with, which sort of tells you, you know, he's sort of like the sorcerer, the magician behind the scenes. And he was ready to make something incredible, this technical cashmere for Lulu. They said, nah, go away. He starts a new company, Kitten Ace. So and it's how's interesting. how's that company doing? Well, uh, uh, we don't even know. I think he's sort of lost his step a little bit. It looked, but that looks like a, an experience in uh, retail where the whole retail atmosphere has changed dramatically. But uh, it, it remains to be seen how he does with uh, Kitten Ace. But I think with Lulu, I think there's a certain magic that's gone. I think it's become a big brand like a Nike or an Under Armour, but that magic that Chip Wilson, the surprise that he brought, I think is gone. Hey, it's Mark here. I want to thank you for joining me in this interview with Mark Brené. After this point in the interview, we just went to the phone lines, answered a few questions, and then signed off. So you pretty much got the point of it. You have to be extremely careful when you're talking about replacing founders or when the founders move away. I hope you enjoyed the show.